Hi, this is Tamson Granger. And this is Dan Abuhoff. With Tamson and Dan, read the paper back in Block Island for another podcast. And we have special guests here today. We have Granger Abuhoff. Hello. And Nico Jasbon. Hola. <laughs> who have joined us here on the island for some fun in the sun. And it is sunny. It is sunny. The date, by the way, is Monday, July 27th? It's the 27th, yeah. Right. And even though uh, Granger and Nico have been here only for really two days, they, uh, according to our conversation earlier, feel like they've been here for weeks. Yes. I feel like I live at this island. Well, I was been, born in this island. We've been here before, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that's the nature of a good vacation. Like, uh, you feel completely, uh, you know, enmeshed in what's going on in the vacation destination after a relatively short time. And that's what Block Island is. It's an island, and it's completely enveloping and completely different from what I'll call the real world. And as Tamsin said, it's been beautiful here. It's been beautiful. This is We've been coming here many, many years, more than 30 years. And uh, it's a little island somewhere in the water between Connecticut and Long Island, right? Yes. And uh, as far as we can tell, we're completely... I mean, you can see the mainland from here. But it doesn't feel like the mainland is anywhere within our range. We don't have internet. We don't have phone service. Uh, we are really glamping out. Right. And it's uh, its own little economy, its own little thing. And, uh, you know, the, the internet is, is funny. It's, uh, it's one of the characteristics of the island you get used to as a regular visitor. Uh, and every year there's talk about how they're going to improve the Internet and become part of uh, the real world and give up what they call horse and buggy technology because they, have, they rely on DSL, which doesn't really work. Um, and that's become a little bit of an issue here on the island. Um, I mean, number one, we prepare because we know we're not going to have Internet. So you were saying, Nico, earlier that you've made a list of things you got to bring or you want to bring because you don't have Internet. Yes. Such as? What's your advice? So I think if you go to an island and there's going to be no internet, you should bring a little travel size radio. Dan brings it, and it's That's a lot of fun. It's actually. fantastic. It's a $9 radio. It's about two inches long. It's, it's an amazing thing. It's also very cute. Analog. You know? yeah. yeah, it's cute. Yes, that's why I picked it. And you should for sure download your podcast and your music before you get there, because if you don't want to listen to the same playlist every day, maybe download some more. Right. And then finally, you want to bring some books. I brought some books from our neighbors, and we had four books to bring while we were while we're here. So I'm reading that. Yeah. All right. So you're prepared, but you know, as as, as I showed Granger before, the the uh, issue of whether uh, Block Island finally is going to get to what they call the 21st century and have internet is now a raging issue on the island. As I think it's been an issue in previous years, hasn't it? Don't they talk about this every year? Yeah, so I read a very similar article with a similar debate last year. So they were kind of opening up the process for comment last year, and I guess this year they're going to either approve or reject the proposal for fiber optic cable being laid um, you know, in connection with the island. And this one guy was saying, you know what? Maybe there's some solution through the air. Maybe something like Elon Musk's idea, and uh, that's... Not terribly specific, so I think they're going to go with the, you know, broadband line into the island. The, the, he did not mention the balloon idea. Yes, we mentioned in a previous podcast you could have a balloon that provides Internet, as they're doing in some We're not places. sure which balloon. Kenya has one of those. <laughs> uh, but, uh... Yeah, I mean, you know, but it's a normal uh, 
discussion about technology, I think your brother Bryce, who's coming later, said it best when he said, you know, the funny thing about that technology, the train's moving along, and you got to decide when you're getting on the train. It's always, if you wait, it's going to be nicer, but if you wait, you don't get on the train. So uh, do you jump on now? Or or uh, do you wait a couple of years and hope for uh, G5 or whatever it's called? Well, that's the funny thing, because when Bryce brought the first digital camera I'd ever seen, it could store 14 pictures. <laughs> so sometimes you wait. <laughs> um, yeah, So, but what about the idea that you come to get away from technology? Well, yeah. you, you do. But uh, if, for us, you know, whatever works for us, I, I look, I think we make the best of it, and there's something to that. But for people who live on the island, they need internet. I mean, it, it's yeah. kind of bizarre. They, the letters that Granger mentioned, the first letter says, here's eight reasons why internet can be useful. Literally says that. <laughs> and it says, the grandparents can talk to their grandchildren. And say, you know, they're, they're, and say, so there's got to be more than eight reasons. It's got to be more than eight things. Yeah, yeah. So you need it. But um, anyway, and we're doing very well with actual books. Okay. Yes. And, and, among other things. And conversations. Yeah. And, uh, and so thank you, Dixon, for that. Um, but uh, it is nice coming back to the same place. We come back um, every year, and we find ourselves having all kinds of interesting adventures, some of them recurring. Um, we've had some good beach adventures. Uh, last week, there was a horse on the beach. There was a horse on the beach. Well, there was a guy riding a horse on the beach. Right. All of a sudden, behind us comes galloping at a safe distance, a safe social distance, a horse <laughs> behind us, right. and that which then turned yes. and zoomed into the surf. Into the water. Yeah, and just to be clear about this, this was a crowded beach. I mean, this, this guy was on the periphery. He was on the edge. He wasn't wending his way through the picnickers, but he was, you know, really motoring on this horse, galloping on a crowded beach and so then found a way fun. went into the water. Yes, it was fun. And we've also been watching seagulls steal mini muffins yeah. from <laughs> unsuspecting children. Yeah. Okay. We'll teach While the children are in the water, seagulls prancing up, grabbing a bag yeah. and, you know, Searching through the bag to get the muffins. It's amazing the way the seagulls unwrap those sealed bags. It's a fantastic thing to watch. And we, then, and we also had a guy who walked up fully dressed, fully dressed, shoes, shorts, belt, shirt, oh, yeah, yeah. sunglasses, yeah. the works, with a fantastic dog, a standard poodle. And he stopped near us. Took off his shirt, took off his shoes, yeah, took, took off, off his, his glasses, took off, I think took off his watch, set everything down. The dog went to visit some other group, and he just went right in the water. Yeah, no, that, which, nothing's terribly weird about that except for the leather belt. Yeah. <laughs> why, why would you sacrifice your leather belt? Yeah. Why wouldn't you at least take it off? Yeah, I don't understand that. Um, so we've had those kind of adventures, and of course, we have a, a couple of characters we watch for on a regular basis, like particular little old ladies who come to the beach right about 5.30 p.m., chat for a while, dunk in the water, and then leave. Yeah. And well, there's two of them there. in particular. There's they're two still of them. there. You're, you're, yeah, not, you're, not looking, you're not looking for a category. You're looking for two particular women. Right. Yeah. And we slyly photograph them to make sure we've yeah. got the right people. Yes. And so now the police have confirmed that those are the suspects and... Uh, They'll be approached at the right time. So this is the kind of low-key adventure yeah, right. we are having. That's right. Okay. <laughs> low-key adventure. And people, people watching. Yeah, we're eating very well. You know, there's still COVID, and uh, and yet uh, Block Island's a place where very often you're eating at home, more often than not. 
and Tamsin is doing a lot of the cooking. Uh, Nico's helps. Uh, we've had wonderful meals once in a while. I've been to the Wall of the Majority, and we do go out for dinner. Maybe we'll do that tonight. And there's a lot of outdoor dining alternatives, so that doesn't really cramp your style too very much. So it's. Do you it's, feel it's different at all from no, other years? No, I, I, I think. Without the COVID uh, you know, restrictions? You can't, the first thing you look at it, you know, are people here, or aren't they? And I can't count noses well enough to say whether this is 80% or 120%. It looks to me about the same, honestly, as it's been previous years. It's there. What about people you guys? Here. Does it seem as busy? Yeah, we were in downtown. It does seem pretty busy down there still. Mm -hmm. It seems like there's still a lot of young people, a lot of families, a lot of people in the shops. I wonder thing. about the, Hotels and the restaurants, it's a little tougher to tell. You know, if they're getting the same business, like, is it more a day trip business? Yeah. What did you think? Did you go in some shops? Yeah. yeah. I thought the shops were weird. I thought the shops seemed um, to have low inventory. And if anything, looked like they had pretty much what was left over from last year, almost. Oh, yeah. I was in a lot of touristy shops, so I always think they have around the same things. Every year anyway, Every year, but yeah, anyways, uh, yeah. yeah. no, it, it seemed uh, un, unimpressive, but maybe mm. that's just yeah, that's just the, the way, way things is. are. It's not the place for shopping. I mean, you find some odd Block Island paraphernalia, but... All right, but so that's the word from uh, yeah. Block Island. And by the way, the we're, we're getting all this information about the internet, et cetera, because Block Island has an extra actual newspaper. Okay, so uh, yes. we're, yeah, yeah, we're... Block glean Island Times. Yeah, mm -hmm. Block Island Times, Block Island and Times. we've been gleaning our... Uh, coverage, internet coverage, etc. from that. Um, also available on the internet, if you have internet. If you have internet. <laughs> if you have internet. Next yeah. year. Okay. And by the way, that, that new program, if they do it, well, next time we come back next year, we'll have internet. So, we'll see. That quick? Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Is, we'll see is right. <laughs> we'll this, see. this could be our last deserted island we, trip. I think, yeah, I think we say that every year. Yeah. So, okay. Now, okay, so... Um, COVID. The world of COVID. Yeah, and here this was really weird, but really interesting, and maybe even important, right? Right. So, doctors wondered, says the article in the New York Times, where are the preemies? And as I said to Tamsin when I read the article, it looks like because of COVID, there are no more premium babies. <laughs> <laughs> and Tamsin immediately said, "I don't think you mean premium babies, sweetheart. I think you mean premature births." And it turns out Tamsin was right. That Tamsin was right. That is what the article is about. Okay, so in uh, at least some countries, Denmark, where else? A lot of countries. Denmark and... Uh, oh, well, Denmark is one of the leaders Calgary here. Calgary in, in Canada. Canada, right? Premature births are down dramatically, like uh, 80%, 50%, uh, etc., 90% in Melbourne, Australia. Oh, that's okay. crazy. Yeah. I mean, which is unbelievable. They have these units, which are called NCIU, which were set up uh, for to take care of premium children. NICU. And, NICU, yeah. yeah. They're empty. Uh, as a matter of fact, the way this article comes about, they, they say talk about a doctor in uh, Ireland who had, had entered lockdown on March 12th. Uh, he returned to work in late March uh, and said, uh, wait a second, uh, I don't see any orders here in the hospital for breast milk-based fortifier, one that fortifier the doctors feed to the tiniest preemies. And they said they hadn't ordered any because there were no tiny preemies. And he going, what? There's got to be some mistake. All right, so what do they say is the reason people are not having premature births? They don't know. They don't know. They give some theories. They throw them out. They say, uh, first of all, 
they've never been clear at what causes premature births is part of the problem. Mm. And then they throw out some ideas. And the ideas are maybe people are getting more rest. Maybe they're getting support of the family because everybody's home. Uh, they say, well, it could be lower air pollution. And then the Times on its own says, well, the one thing that's crazy is it can't be less stress because we all know we're all feeling more stressed with COVID. So that's wrong. Well, I, <laughs> the Times, may, Times might not really have the facts on that. Yeah. So who really knows? Also, it might, be, might be different in Australia. Yeah, it might be different in Australia. Well, look, it's down 20% in the U.S. too, in the one point person they spoke to. So it's down all over. And there's, they say they're going to... Uh, you know, investigate and do studies. It is, we've referred to this in previous podcasts, a so-called natural experiment. Yeah. When you have an exogenous set of variables that are imposed on a society and things come out differently, and since we've never understood what causes preemies to begin with, there's got to be a clue into there about what's going on. So on the point of maybe the mothers are getting more rest, Yeah. Hmm, okay, uh, one of their ideas is maybe we will end up recommending that maternity leaves start before the birth. Uh-huh. As opposed to after. Maybe. I and don't that know. may contribute to healthier births. Anyway, the Dr. Christensen, who's quoted here, says, For years, nothing has advanced in this very important area, understanding premature births at all. Uh, and it seems it took a virus attack to help us get on track. Well, I'll tell you the one thing that you don't even get to, and this is, you're going to reject this immediately, but I'm sure there are fewer doctor visits uh, in COVID. And they do talk about one specific situation where sometimes premium births. Premium are, births. Premium births. <laughs> premium births. I keep birth. saying That's it. Premature slip, births, yeah, yeah are, uh, encouraged or brought about because of high blood pressure and the like. And because doctors say, your blood pressure is high, let's do this. Well, that's not happening. So, mm-hmm. um, maybe that was a false move to begin with. I don't know. But, any event. So you're saying the mother may have High blood pressure, but doesn't know it because she hasn't been to the doctor. Exactly. And nobody's telling, nobody's uh, inducing labor. And maybe it's not a great idea to induce labor. We learn. All right. Thank you, Dr. Dan. That's fine. For that. I give you that free of charge. Gratis. Gratis. All right. Moving right along. Oh, it's me again. Well, it's 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 because you uh, you're dominating here, Tamsin. You're the one who knows what's going on in the media. Another COVID story. Listen, you know what? I'm we're running out of stories here because of this COVID stuff. These are extra stories. No, 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 every story is about COVID. I know, but I mean, we're we're just uh, the times gets worse and worse in this regard. There's nothing to write about. They they, they write about two things. One of them is COVID. I mean, they recently wrote an article that was really awful that we're not covering about how to say no. When people ask you to do favors. Right. Because it may be dangerous. Right. Um, in not this, but in the time style, not that it is dangerous, but because it may be dangerous. And they actually said, somebody wrote an article saying, you know, it's not, uh, you know, in this, you know, in this particular time, doing something like watering the plants of a, in a garden for a neighbor may not uh, be as safe as it used to be. What the frick are they talking about? <laughs> How is there any risk associated with turning on a faucet in somebody's yard to water their plants it's, while they're away? It's uh, that, That's their approach. These are the people they have writing for them now. Well, it's, that's it's, ridiculous. Actually, uh, I think it's consistent with their uh I don't message. care whether you're for helping your neighbors or against, but the idea that it's risky to turn on a sprinkler in a neighbor's yard. It's just bizarre. All right. Well, 
Neighbor's I agree. not even there. I agree with you. I agree with you, but uh, that that's the Times line. All right, so they have their own agenda. Even so, yeah. we're forging ahead. Yes. Reading Get these to the stupid story. articles. This is another critical article. This one is kind of fun, and that is with it turns out with the pandemic, the world has gotten quieter. Yes. They're measure they're measuring this with what do you call them? Seismographs. Seismographs. Mm, Yes. Okay? Mm. Seismographs measure vibrations. Well, Mm. it can be from Mother Earth jiggling about. Right. (laughs) Or it can be from cars and trucks and construction and, you know, human activity. Heavy traffic, football games, rock concerts, fireworks, subways, mine explosions, rock drilling, all kinds of uh, man-made activity. Apparently, there's a drop of up to 50%. Yeah. That's they're, huge. They're not getting these vibrations. Maybe that's why the babies aren't being born. Well, that's why. They're sleeping soundly. You're, you're <laughs> thinking about what In mommy's tummy. This is why I set these articles up this way. These, This is the clue. There are other clues in this podcast as to what's going on. But there's one later in the podcast I'll tell you about. But that's weird. It's quieter. It's not a surprise. And uh, it makes a big difference. But I also want to note that the headline of the article. With shutdowns, a kind of hush spans the globe. Do you remember that phrase, a kind of hush? There's a kind of hush all over the world That's tonight. correct. That's yeah. a rock song by Herman's Hermits. Oh. Thank you. All right. The next article, which is also scientific related. Go ahead. Right here. Yeah. I don't want to say much about this. It's an article, you know, about uh, Viking age smallpox. Okay. They thought smallpox started in about the 17th century. The most ancient uh, remains that they have uh, evidence from Lithuanian uh, child or something from is from the 17th century, okay? So they thought that's when smallpox started. But they dug up some Vikings who are even older, a thousand years older, and they seem to have had smallpox too. A slightly different smallpox. But smallpox. But smallpox, Okay. All right, so so get, I don't know why we even care about this. I mean, can I tell you why we why, care? Why do we care? Then I'll get to your point, which I know you have another point, which is useful. I'd say, first of all, when you think about what's going on, about they're trying to identify when the COVID virus started, okay? Was it in March? Was it in February? Was it in December? And did it get there from China? Did it get there from Europe? And people are impatient about it. They can't quite nail this down. Well, this question about smallpox, they were a 1,000 years off, a 1,000 years off. And we're asking that, that they, they, they identify the COVID. What week, what week in, in, in winter did it actually come on New York shores? Well, guess what? They're not going to figure that out. They are going to figure that out. If they analyze enough waste water, well, there is that, but they are going to figure that out. That would out. be the best clue. But the fact anyway, of the matter is, this part, gives them coverage on that, okay, cover on that. All right. A thousand years from now, we'll know exactly when this that, I think that's is about that when saying? we'll nail it down. But the interesting thing to me was, when we talk about all these vaccines, yeah. And uh, we were chatting the other other day saying, uh, why don't, you know, when I was growing up, everybody had a scar from the smallpox uh, vaccine. I did too. And I said, why did that stop? And it turns out nineteen by 1980, um, smallpox smallpox was completely eradicated from humans. You you don't have it. I don't think our mind exists anymore. I don't know. But everybody, um, everybody saw had this little star on the left shoulder. Do you have it? Do I have it? Oh, yeah, yeah. My mom has one, too. Oh, my God. Look at that. Yeah. There's a lawsuit in that. So, All right. yeah, that's just a, a sign of our age, dear. Is it? Really? Yes. I, I feel better. Some people in this room were not born 
by 1980. I'm familiar with vaccinations. That's going to come in handy, believe me. All right. So then uh, in terms of getting back to normal, let's talk about getting back to normal post-COVID. So there was an article about exercise. Now, we've been getting fantastic exercise on Block Island. Fantastic. Yes. Tams and I, biking, swimming. You guys, every once in a while, you go up a flight of stairs. I, I don't know what, what you're doing, but uh, running maybe, lifting maybe. Uh a little swimming. A little swimming. Yeah. yeah, look, let's face it. We're killing ourselves on the island. Killing ourselves. Because that's what you do. That's what you do. But uh, there was an article in the journal about mm -hmm. what it's going to take to get back to the gym. And, Nico, you seem to be wavering on this. Maybe the article's useless. Is it useless? Does it tell you anything? Well, I think it's uh, kind of dated because it's talking about how we should make sure to uh, sanitize all our surfaces and wear gloves when we work out. And uh, then they're just trying to sell you, like, gloves and masks the whole time. Well, that yeah. try to sell you is a theme in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, yeah. It's called product placement. Yeah, they they tell you exactly what to order. They're trying to be funny, though, with their title. There was, their title of the article was, Do You Even Sanitize, Bro? And that that's a reference to what? Oh, I didn't look him up. Oh, God. well, some YouTube thing. We don't need to know it. No one, <laughs> you got the wrong demographic for that. Anyway, yeah. but, but, I mean, seriously, just between the two of you, can you tell now? Do you have any view as to when you might get back into a gym? I know you go to Cornerstone or even the rowing studio. Is there any thought that there'll be trouble getting back in? Or I think the biggest issue right now is the indoors versus outdoors. I yeah. think yeah. right now it's nice for us to be able to work outdoors and not right. have any worry about being too close to people. I'm not worried about touching things. I'm just worried about you know being in a air-conditioned space with someone. Yeah. yeah. So I thought it was strange that they focused on making sure that you saran wrap yeah. your bars and your weights <laughs> <laughs> instead yeah, of... That's not going to happen. They said saran wrap. Yeah, well, and, they, uh, they always yeah. do you the branded model. They don't yeah. use the off-brand. Yeah. That's what I like about them. But they didn't talk about the air conditioning issue at all. So. Yeah, ventilation is probably going to be the key if it, to get people back in if there's not going to be a vaccine. Well, yeah. I think that Nico hit the nail on the head with the outdoors versus indoors yeah. distinction because... You know, I really, like, I'm very comfortable working out outdoors. I'm not sure if the businesses are going to really speed up opening up the indoor spaces. So even if I was interested in going back, the pools that I usually go to, the gyms I usually go to, they're not open right now. Well, Cornerstone is open, which yeah. is the gym near us in Pennsylvania. But yeah. rumor has it that they're not drawing people. But people don't work out as much indoors. Some, but some people do. In the summer. In the summer right? and, the, and the other thing at Cornerstone is they're about classes. And people are not going to indoor classes now. You're not going to get 30 people in a yoga room. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. So we'll just to see it play out. But, uh, well, the other thing that's coming on in sports is uh, we talked last week about baseball getting back online. And now basketball is getting back online in just a few days, I think. right? Or maybe this next weekend? Yeah, so this coming weekend, they're going to start the first official games. These games are called the placement games. So it's supposed to be the end of the regular season. The NBA is taking 22 teams, having them play some games for seeding purposes, giving a chance to the teams that are out of the playoffs by about five games to get close enough to have these playing games where they'll give advantage to the teams that have the better position. And then from there will be a fairly conventional um, playoff format, except for the fact they're all playing on the same indoor courts in Orlando. and uh, The bubble. The bubble. The funny thing is the NBA players have been caught several times breaking the bubble. Oh, really? Yeah. I so, didn't know that. Yeah. Lou Williams, uh, who is famous and infamous for various things, yes. got caught uh, at a strip club during an excused absence. Really? And he says he was just picking up food. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, there's another guy who was um, uh, another guy who was caught um, 
getting food from a non-approved restaurant. So they're allowed to get restaurants right. from the resort delivered to them, but not from outside the resort. And this guy really wanted um, fried chicken from right. delivered from Miami. So he got busted. He had to do a four-day quarantine after that. Uh, there have been some players who tested positive after leaving for family reasons, like Zion Williamson left, and he's going to come back. He's supposed to play on the opening night, but um, they're up... They're a little bit undecided, I guess. That's why not he plays, even though he's been testing negative while he was away. Yeah. Basically, the NBA seems pretty on top of it, and they're not they're not hesitating so far to embarrass some of the players publicly when they break the rules. Oh, really? Well, you know, the Lou Williams thing, you know. And, uh, well, Lou Williams has embarrassed himself many times in the past. It's not, <laughs> it's not really new news. But. Did all these guys quarantine 14 days before they got to this resort? Was that the idea? So what they do is they have the guys uh, test. They don't have to quarantine exactly for 14 days, hang in, but they have to test negative and twice in quick succession, and then they come in, and then once they come in, if they've had the two negative tests, they do a four-day quarantine on top of that after testing negative, and I think they get tested during that period as well. That's all and, tests. Yeah, and then they come back in. Well, the funny thing is that, unlike your experience, I know you guys had uh, testing recently yes. for yeah. your water polo event, yeah. and uh, it took what did it take, 10 days to get the results? About 10 days. Yeah, yeah. about 10, 10 days. days. Yeah. Uh, the NBA, and, and by the way, just so we all know, that's useless. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. The NBA, uh, they take a test, they get the uh, results that afternoon or something like that. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, so they're, they're in a different world in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, and I will also tell you from listening to talk radio, which, of course, uh, Tams and your mother listens uh, with me to talk radio sports, loves it. And that's been a leitmotif that's been discussed for the last few weeks. The lack of female companionship in the bubble, because the bubble is something you might be in for three months. And they're not willing to get into more detail than that, but it's been a lot of snickering and laughing about that. Well, what's going to happen is that once it gets down to a certain number of teams, so I yeah. think once they get to the conference semifinals, more than half the teams will have gone home by that point. Right. At that point, you're allowed to have, uh, I think, three or four guests who once they test negative. The idea is that those people will be replacing the players who have left. Oh, that's a huge sigh of relief. So people's families will join them. Okay. These guys have thought of everything. Well, uh, yes, except and like, except for Lou Williams. They haven't thought about him. Uh, <laughs> they thought about I mean, it. They are. I was telling mom the story that the, the first complaint they had was that a guy was complaining that there were a lot of noise from the room above his, and uh, they sent someone to investigate. It turns out uh, there one of the players was dribbling in basketball and going on doing drills in the hotel room above this guy. One guess who that player was. This is there's no way you'll get it, but I'll give you a chance if you want to throw a name out. Yeah, worked himself drills. to a huge lather and was uh, bothering the person below. Chris Paul. Close. Jimmy Butler. How's that? Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, he's annoying. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, well, here's something that's caught my eye in the Olympics, but you guys will will get it. And I think uh, you were, I, it's clear you're going to get it. You know, about who's, who's won the most gold medals. And, um, and when I threw that out, uh, Nico immediately said, Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps. And that's correct. But it would, here's what the reason I'm even mentioning, because that would sound familiar with Michael Phelps too. And you know, it's going to be a swimmer because the swimmers really have all these events and they have a chance for medals. But the, the spots two, three, and four for the U.S. are, uh, female swimmers. Uh, you're familiar with Natalie Coughlin and, and Dara Torres, probably. Jenny Thompson yeah. is years before that. Mm -hmm. Jenny Thompson is the one who's second. She has eight gold medals. Do you know how many gold medals Michael Phelps won? Because I, this is what stunned me, and maybe I, I, I should know that. I saw the Okay, graphic. Nico, do you have any idea? 16? 23. Uh, wow. 23. Second place is eight. Because he was on a lot of relays as well. Uh, you yeah. know something? So is Jenny Thompson. So, uh, 
No, but that, that one year he went eight for eight, remember, on the gold medal? Yeah. That would jump you up a level. I, I just yeah. lost sight of that. All right, here's something. Here I, I said there's getting into uh, things going on, and uh, maybe that might explain happenings or maybe new concerns. UFOs. And I want saying, to believe. Yeah, you want to believe. <laughs> maybe you do, maybe you don't. But here's what's weird, okay? It turns out uh, that guess who's been monitoring UFO-type activity for years and that's been through a secret agency and is now becoming transparent about it. You'll never guess. The U.S. government. NASA. That's right. The United States of America. <laughs> they have a program called the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force. But it's not that they just established it. They had it. They changed the name every few years. But it's been going on for years and years. They say that there was some rumor that they quit funding in 2012, but they didn't really. <laughs> they continued on, and they have all this data and all this stuff. I mean, it's like X-Files. It turns out they're really looking at it. And it's not like it's three guys in a broom closet who are like, you know, checking out with a telescope at night. No. It turns out that the program in 2012 was funded with $22 million. Oh, my God. $22 million they've been spending every year. I know it might not be wasted money. The Defense Department has like nothing now. Yeah, it might not. And, of course, they have no less a luminary than Harry Reid, who was the former Senate Majority Leader, a big figure, a senator from uh, Nevada. Uh, you know, the equivalent of Mitch McConnell, basically, until a few years ago. He's leading the charge. He's still involved in it. And they, they quote uh, Mr. Reed. He says the former Democrat from Nevada uh, pushed for funding. He, he believed that crashes of vehicles from other worlds had occurred and retrieved materials. And, and they've retrieved materials that have been studied for decades uh, and are now being held by aerospace companies with other with government contracts that came from other worlds. Harry Reid. So... I would think this would be a bigger story than it is. It's kind of buried in the paper. Uh, I don't know. I would say that if we discovered that there were UFOs and they were on the way, people would stop talking about COVID. Who knows? Um, but is this weird or is this my imagination? I think it would be a bigger deal if the other two stories weren't happening. I also think that I've heard people complain that there's a slow release from the Times of these features about this topic, and people just want to see a convincing video. Well, they're not saying that there are UFOs. That's not the story. Isn't that there are UFOs? The story is that the government's seen fit to spend twenty million dollars a year studying this thing and and have all this information, and that would suggest to you that they've come up with something, that they've got yeah. something in the files, <laughs> that there's something to get. Harry wasn't a nutcase, uh, you know. So I don't know. This is to be continued. But uh, is this supported by somebody in particular who is trying to? Uh... Get funds for his... Uh... They've got the funds. <laughs> They've got the funds. It's supported as much by Harry Reid, by anybody who was involved with it for years. When, and did, still when did it start? It started before 2012. So they don't yeah. even know because it was a secret program. Well, there's a TV show that was very popular in the 90s yeah. where that phrase came from, I want to believe, and that was the X-Files. Yeah, And that popularized X-Files. people's view of the government secretly studying this stuff. So, you know what they said? You think they said, hey, that's an idea. It's either that or just the show was like way more accurate than I thought. Shout out to Fox Mulder. Um, I think I think David Duchovny is our next our next contact. See what David has to say about it. Well, as Trevor Princeton. Noah said, you know, scientists should be get back to work. Solve the COVID thing first. Then you can do your silly stuff about space and UFOs, <laughs> all right? You, you got to, you know, eat your vegetables, okay? Then right. you get dessert. If I was the aliens, I'd stay away for now. Wait till we figure out. Exactly, COVID. because they might be uh, vulnerable. Yeah, they're susceptible. Yeah. All right, so sometimes the New York Times 
misses the big story. Oh, really? Or sometimes they don't even know when they're writing an interesting article. Yes. Okay. And uh, so uh, I was looking at an article about uh, a famous composer, Joseph, well, not that famous, I guess, Joseph Bologna, a French composer from the 18th century who was black, okay? And uh, sometimes uh, people apply the nickname Black Mozart to him, which, you know, um, you don't like to see that, okay? Yeah. Um, he's, uh, you know, uh, Mozart, you know, you could call Mozart the white Bologna, right. okay? Um, anyway, he was uh, a, a real uh, phenomenon of the time. He, his uh, father was French, and uh, his mother was African uh, Guadalupean. And uh, he comes with his parents to Paris from Guadalupe. Uh, and uh, when he's about 10 years old, he gets music lessons. He gets fencing lessons, okay? Ooh. He turns out to be uh, a musician, a composer. He's a concert master. He's also a revolutionary because this, of course, is, you know, 18th century France. He's largely working for you know, the aristocracy, but he, um, you know, also, you know, aligns with the revolutionaries himself. So he's a, he's a very interesting character that has been somewhat neglected, possibly because of his race. So I'm all for that. I'm all for discovering uh, new and interesting people uh, that were overlooked like that. Um, but uh, one thing that's pretty interesting is his fencing, okay? His fencing? His fencing. He was a great... Fencer, and so they actually in the New York Times have a painting, a picture of a painting um, that's uh, in England right now of the uh, uh, actually Joseph Bologna had a um, title. He was knighted. Chevalier de Saint Georges is fencing against the Chevalier Dayon. Now, what's the problem with the picture, guys? What's weird about the picture? He's it's, white. It's intergender. Well, it's hard to tell that Bologna is uh, black, but... but he's uh, fencing against a woman. He seems to be fencing a woman, and yet her name is Chevalier Dayon, which sounds like um, a Dayon. male name. Yeah. Sounds like, you know, a knight, Sir Dayon. So okay? what's the explanation? So what is the explanation? Well, this is... This is I should mention that the article, the title here is A Neglected Composer, A Unique Legacy. There's several unique legacies going on here. This is a double dose of a doogie. Okay, so it <laughs> turns out that Chevalier Dayon was uh, somebody named Charles Dayon de Beaumont. Okay, and uh, he was, he was born, he's about 10 years older than uh, our buddy Joseph. Uh, de Boulogne, and um, he was a spy. He was a diplomat, okay? He was a soldier. Um, he had this amazing life, and somehow the second, life, uh, the second part of his life, he lives as a woman. Really? There's all this, I can't even understand the story. You know, this is the first time I'm hearing about this guy, um, I'm clueless, and uh, or this woman, yeah, uh, or this woman, okay. Um, and uh, there's all this intrigue. There's all this. Uh, he's stationed in London, um, and then he 
he ends up sort of in trouble with the king uh, and Louis the Fifteenth, and then he's blackmailing the king, and then he is banned from France. Um, and uh, somehow Louis and he work it out that he can stay in England. Maybe he can come back, but he's got to live as a woman. Gotta be a lady as long as he it. lives as a woman, he's okay. That sounds like a bizarre result, doesn't it? He says he was born a female but raised as a male, so that he could, so that his father could inherit um, some legacy. Mm-hmm. Okay, and there had to be a male heir. He had to provide a male heir. Okay, when well, they they actually do some research uh, a little while after he dies, about ten years after they. He dies, and they ascertained he was male, but had some female characteristics. So that sounds a little intersex. Um, well, I'll just also mention, just for the record, like we're not trying to uh, misgender Night Dayon. We just don't know what uh, Chevalier Dayon even wants us to call him or her. Well, I think we yeah. should call. I think we should call him her. Actually, I think I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm being. You're right. I'm uh, being. I'm making a mistake here. Oh, I should. Yeah. Uh, refer to uh, we may not have enough information a chevalier as a she but it's just kind of a fascinating and bizarre story again famous for fencing and uh, this uh, image is a, a record of a fencing match in England the Prince of Wales is in attendance and it's this uh, it, you know it's a guy Fencing against yeah, well, it looks like a, a lady man. in you know an older lady with a big lace cap and a you know a gown on. Yeah, um, no, it's, it looks like a white man fencing a white woman. Uh, yeah. So the Times has no explanation of that. They the don't article? even mention it. It takes up half the page. And uh, Chevalier Dion was very popular. I mean, it's not like people didn't know about her. Okay, and this painting was seems to have been commissioned by the Prince of Wales, uh, by Robineau, the uh, artist, etc. And he he is prominently figured in the audience yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a fascinating story. Also, w- one other nice point about uh, Boulogne um, is that uh, it's not clear exactly uh, if he knew Mozart, but there there seems to be it. They were in the same places at similar times. So he was, you know, Boulogne was kind of a superstar. So it would be hard for Mozart not to know of him. Mm. There also are passages, the Times says, in particular pieces that were written by Boulogne before Mozart wrote. Um, Mozart seems to have quoted oh, Boulogne in some of his compositions. Yeah. Um, so plagiarism or shout out, you but anyway, yeah. I don't, I don't think the times realized, uh, what yeah. kind of a fascinating a story. story. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, th- there's more to learn about the Chevalier Dion and, uh, you know, there's even a, um, uh, trans, uh, transgender society named after him, the Beaumont, um, uh-huh. that, uh, brings that in. So. Just, you know, in this uh, pile of not interesting stories. I one sent a, a buddy cop Netflix project coming out of this. Yeah, yeah, that could be a whole show, those two. I, there is some, yeah, there is something in the works about um, Balone, but uh, they don't have many facts is the problem. 
and um, but oh, and Aeon has engendered quite a few. Um, well, she sounds interesting. Plays, yeah. So there should be, you know. All right. Well, uh, so are you saying Aeon is actually better known than than Malone? That's hard for me to say. Okay. Okay. That's I'm not. I, I don't. I know nothing about music history, and uh, I know th- nothing about French history and uh, spy spy networks. And we oh. don't have internet. Yeah. So. We, don't have, we don't have internet. That's the key to it. All right. So we're going to wrap up. Uh, I want to say something about baseball because baseball actually did start since we were last uh, podcast. I understand one of the the TV broadcasts got more viewers than any. The first game. The Yankee game against the Nationals, which kicked off the season, was on national TV. I think it was Fox or ESPN. I think it's Fox. And it got the highest rating for a televised game in, what's it, 2012 or something? I Heck think it was a... ESPN. I was watching it. Yeah, it was, it was in 10 years or something like that. Uh, but a um, couple of things. Number one is, as Granger was telling me the details about, uh, the Miami Marlins already have uh, several people have tested positive for covid yeah. Uh, which has led to a postponement of a, a game that they had against the Phillies and now a postponement of a game between the Phillies. No, it's and actually, they, the funny thing is they did not postpone the Phillies game. So, unfortunately, the Phillies might have gotten sick. So, the Phillies' next games against the Yankees were, are postponed. postponed and the Marlins' games against the Orioles in Miami are postponed. Oh, so, that, so, that's already an issue. And the other problem uh, is uh, the Mets. So, the Mets... Uh, <laughs> Mets win their first game, uh, lose their second game because Edwin Diaz gives up a home run with two outs in the ninth inning, and which is a horrible reminder of his season last year. The game gets tied, and they lose in extra innings. Um, and then the third game, the rubber game, that is the ESPN game last night. And uh, in contrast to the opening presentation, which is a five-inning game between the Yankees and the Nationals, which was rained out after five but had a huge audience, the Met game... Uh, Setback uh, viewership a uh, hundred years perhaps because by the fifth inning it was fourteen to one in favor uh, of the uh, who are they playing again the Braves. the Braves yes the Braves and so the Mets are awful but the, the, again put a positive spin on that things are back to normal so uh, <laughs> yeah nature is healing <laughs> nature is healing exactly so we have that going for us. so that's uh, that's what we've got here. Uh, our last podcast from our uh, Block Island vacation. We'll be back on the mainland probably when they do the next one. And thanks to uh, Granger and Nico for joining us. Thank you both. On the podcast and, uh, and on the island. And Ms. Granger. Uh, yeah. And, uh, this is Samson Granger. And Dan, you off. <laughs> and we'll see you next Signing week. Signing off. Signing off.